0: Back to do basketball junkies for an off-season yeah. episode.
1: How long has it been, Mike? It's
0: been a long time
1: since our last recording. How long's it been?
0: I don't know. Probably about a month, maybe about six weeks since we <laughs> thinking, angri- yeah. angrily ended the uh, the season <laughs> with uh, disappointment <laughs> and frustration. Uh, we're here with Devin, Devin Gordon, our uh, our most frequent guest from uh, you know magazine industry fame and uh, current Twitter star. How you doing, Devin?
2: I'm doing fine. I'm doing well.
0: It's just a fun time of year. And, uh, Peter. How you doing, Pete? Excellent. What's, um, what's going on? We're going to talk about the NBA draft today. We're going to talk about the combine that just happened. Devin, I wouldn't mind if you had some thoughts on how the season ended up. Uh, you know, to put your cap on it. What, did you watch the the tournament? Did you, did you have thoughts about... No, no, how we, how we do. We, uh, we (laughs) Actually, did all right. We did all right. We...
2: No, that's the thing. Actually, I, I, it's funny that you said it. I, I, I was actually fine because I was braced for something bad. Um, I, I was worried that we, I was worried that we had a team that could easily um, not make it out of the first weekend, right? Um, if like we had lost in the second round, I would not have been shocked. If um, it was a you know a team that was capable of. Laying eggs. Um, And then they almost made the final four. Um, You know, I think that they had a good chance of getting all the way to the title game and getting thrashed by Villanova. Like, I think that that could have easily been them getting thrashed by Villanova. Um, And it didn't surprise me in the least that we lost to Kansas. I actually felt like five minutes out into that game, I was pretty sure we were going to lose. They were just clearly a better team. They were clearly a less talented team, and they were
0: clearly a better team. Yeah, I kind of felt that way, too. Like, I thought something real bad was what might happen. It would be very embarrassing. It ended up being not very embarrassing the way we went out. But basically, we, we it felt like we could have won the tournament anyways, even though we weren't such a great team in terms of like how we, we gelled you know, together. Uh, I felt like we could have been a lot better this year but uh, interesting that you just were I, I too was, was less disappointed than I kind of expected to be especially because I mean Grayson's shot rimmed out like you know we easily could have yeah. won that game you know
2: Yeah. you're going to tell me that like if, if Grayson's shot is like you know a, a millimeter more on point than it goes in now it's a successful season you know, it's just too it's just too arbitrary. It's just too arbitrary. And I also just look at, you know, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a whole lot of college basketball this season. I watched Duke, and basically that's it, um, mostly watching the pros. And so the tournament was when I was getting to see a lot of these teams up close for the first time. And, gosh, Villanova was so obviously better than us. I mean, it was like by the second round, I was like, if we play these guys, they're going to kill us. They'll kill us. It would run us off the floor. And so, you know, part of it was maybe just like, well, obviously we weren't the best team. I mean, that team's abundantly clear to me even late in the tournament. So it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's a fun year. Yeah. I hated the team. I hated that team.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, actually... But it was a fun year. Uh, yeah, let me just say something on, on, on that particular aspect. Uh, J.J. Reddick uh, was interviewed for something and, and he claimed that he just has a hard time rooting for the Duke teams recently just because of the composition of the team. He just finds it difficult to root for him and I think that echoes what Mike has been saying almost all year. I I feel like I, I'm, I'm less in that camp but, you know, that you guys feel feel that way? I mean, because on of a the, certain level Just because it's all one and done you We're just Kentucky. We're yeah, Kentucky you don't have that connection level. to the players and so it's... Yeah. it's now without Grayson, next year's just gonna be all one and done's and is it gonna be that much more difficult to root for, for duke teams?
0: Probably depends on the team, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. If they play yeah, good I, team
1: I, basketball then then you're more on board.
2: Yeah. I just I, I think that there's we're conflating two things maybe and we're we're insisting that one is responsible for the other. I, I don't entirely agree that the one and done is the reason I dislike this team so much I'm, I would certainly concede that it um made it hard on this team to be it makes it hard for a team to gel and be the kind of team that it is from the root for of course because they're, they're young and have so little time but sometimes it happens and and when it does that's also really fun I just I think it's maybe going to be more rare I mean I can't avoid the fact that I didn't really like this year's team I've never said that about a team before um but at the same time, I also like the individual players. Like, it's weird. I don't, you know, other than Duval, it's not like I just like those guys individually. I like them all as players. I just hated watching them play together. And maybe we'll still be saying the same thing next year. If you, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe it's entirely possible. Maybe get me in a year and I'll be saying a different team.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's sort of the question, I think, for, for a lot of us is, you know, what are we rooting for? You know why are we running this podcast, right? Like we're yeah. we're we're huge fans of, but are we huge fans of what it was, and we're not so much as big a fan as what it is. Uh, I certainly didn't mind one and done's the year when Okafor, Winslow, and yeah, the, the 2015
1: shows. team yeah. was was yeah. one of the best teams to root for. I, I, I don't think I've ever rooted for a team harder than that team. Yeah, that would, um, I loved that
2: team, and I think part of that was, and you know, looking if, we're, if we're, you know, like you said, that was a team with four kids and, and one senior.
0: Was and it, it Quinn Cook? A senior,
2: by the, way, a senior would, by the way, driven crazy for the three previous years of his career. And um, now happens to be one of the most relevant two players left in the NBA playoffs. Um, but
1: Don't forget about Rodney at, Hood. <laughs>
2: yeah, Rodney Hood, oh God. Um, but at the same time, I think that one of the reasons why we like that team so much just owes to the particular makeup of those players. And in particular, I mean, just as for me, was such a difference maker in my affection for that team. And it just so happens that he was, you know, this sort of all around defensive stopper and, you know, helpful teammates who didn't need to be the number one scoring option in many ways that this team desperately needed. Um, and that Wendell Carter was just starting to become maybe. Um, it was a makeup thing, you know, like if next year's team turns out to have a guy like that or two guys like that, maybe we'll
0: love them just as much. It's interesting, even like in the, the, the sort of the, the error that that we're not holding up to as much scrutiny when we didn't have a lot of one-and-dones, like I did not personally enjoy rooting for the Josh McRoberts-led Duke squad with Greg Paulus, like I didn't like watching yeah. that team. I remember not yeah. enjoying the way they played defense or the way they competed exactly. Uh, I felt like they settled, like they, they weren't always looking for the best shot. I mean, there's just something about the character of a team, and it's it's one of these like made up narratives in my head that I know is not 100% real because these kids this year they were all nice people and they were they were worth rooting for individually. I recognize that. But I didn't like the entire project altogether. I didn't like sort of that I felt like our coaches were failing to impart defensive principles to them. I didn't like that they didn't get back on defense somewhat consistently. Uh, if we want to like transition this over to the NBA draft, uh, Grayson Allen, Trey Duval, and Gary Trent all just tested off the charts athletically at the NBA Combine this weekend in Chicago. So. They all were in the top 10 in vertical jump. The yeah. Grayson Allen had the best shuttle run. Three-quarter court sprint, they were all in the top 12 out of the, whatever, 60 prospects that were, that were there. And I looked at that, and I couldn't help but think, where was the speed when we needed to get back on defense, <laughs> right? Like, like, I don't know that it translated into the kinds of things we wanted to see on the court as, you know, yeah. as Duke basketball fans. These
2: are kids who, who, how how many of those five kids had played a tremendous amount of defense before in their lives and had been expected to by virtue of their role on their team? In almost every case, each of them was the number and scoring option on their team. And which means that when they get the boot, three of them are now in the very, very unfamiliar position of doing things that they've never had to do before to win games. And it's hard. I mean, you know, effort, I guess, is, is obviously a, a, a part of it, but a, a big part of it, and that's frustrating. But
0: Well, and also, why, why couldn't our coaches get these guys that were so athletically talented to take on that challenge in the correct way when we watch Brad Stevens use the talent he has on hand at the Celtics including Jason Tatum to play incredible transition defense incredible help defense you know obviously they have more yeah. time to work with these guys but it's it you know, watching the Celtics play in the postseason this year just stands in stark contrast to watching the Duke Duke team play and maybe I'm the only one who's looking at it that way. Have you watched the Celtics play defense at all in the postseason, Peter? I've I've watched
1: and I I mean I'm just in awe of uh, Brad Stevens yeah. with his run in the playoffs this year. I actually thought back to his Butler run. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but after the 2010 uh, Duke national championship, Butler lost Shelvin Mack and Gordon Hayward, and then they went back to the title game the next year with a bunch of scrubs, maybe like yeah, that's, Matt Howard. That's, that's, I mean that's just yeah. that's that's just all coaching.
2: No, it's insane. It's insane. It's insane, it's insane that he was, he was able to do that. But at the same time, I sort of, you know, I think there's just a false dichotomy or an unfair comparison, I should say, between, you know, because I've heard it before. Well, why is Brad Stevens able to get so much out of Jason Tatum that Coach K shouldn't or didn't? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, Coach K had him first. Yeah, <laughs> he had he had high school Jason Tatum. He did not have you know NBA lottery pick Jason Tatum. You know Brad even as a better player, so that you know that helps. And we don't know necessarily the degree to which Jason Tatum was made a better player on and off the court. You know, um, by virtue of, of of you know the instruction that he got at, at Duke. Or even, you know, the kinds of things that, you know, the sort of brotherhood stuff that we keep hearing about where, you know, know Jason Tatum is, is, is playing against Kyrie Irving in the, in the offseason and not, you know, in a gym against, the, the you know, some Arizona State kid from 1994, you know? It's, and, you know, I think there's, I keep thinking back to a story that Donovan Mitchell has told when someone asked him how he made such a big improvement between in college and then pros. And he said, it's my job now. I do this all day, every day. This is my job now. And, and I, you know, I think it's a ridiculous thing to, to, to put too much stock in. But when you're a college athlete for the nine or 10 months that you're there, it is very much not your full-time job. Yeah, That's a real thing. Like it's, um, and so, you know, when we're knocking Duke, I think we have to bear in mind that we're knocking them for what they do with a on with with half the time with these kids for what
0: are we saying? Eight months. Right, and Tatum Tatum was injured, you know, for the and Tatum was injured. He, he didn't have an off season really. And uh, he was pretty
1: fantastic the last month, month and a half yeah, of the I, season. And if you could if, if, if you could envision deal. Jason Tatum as a sophomore at Duke, he would be probably one of the best players in the country.
0: Oh, for sure, the best player in the country. Also, also, also,
1: come on. Yeah. Yeah. Brad
2: Stevens Steven didn't think he was going to be this good. Nobody thought he was going to be this good.
0: Well, no, but... if you remember back to my first impression of watching Jason Tatum play, I, uh, I had a pretty high opinion of him, but... I did not know he was going to Dr. be Dr. J quite bit, well oh, yeah,
2: really? yeah. You, you you had a top you had a high opinion of uh, one of the top 5 prospects <laughs> <laughs> I mean
0: no
2: no I mean you know of course
0: yeah yeah, yeah everybody yeah, knew he was, was going to be good of, nobody knew he was going to yeah, be quite this good this early but like I'm not I'm not comparing the Brad Stevens versus Coach K and saying this is why I don't like Duke anymore. I do I, I love Duke. I love what Duke stands for. I love the program. I love the coaches. But the frustration is increasing in yeah. in in what why can't
1: you correct certain things? But I mean yeah, I, yeah. I feel like we've sort of I mean, belabored this. We've talked about, about it all year. Uh, but let's let's Devin. Yeah. Who's Arizona going to take? Who's Phoenix going to take with the first pick?
2: I mean it seems pretty clear they're gonna take DeAndre Aiden, right? I mean yeah. Really? I think it, that's that's what it seems like. It seems like the you know, the that, that a lot of people think that it, that the people I'm listening to and the very few people I'm talking to, and that I want to half this off as reporting because I'm probably talking to reporters is eight?
0: Yeah, there's a media consensus if, about Ayton, right? Yeah,
2: and that and that if you if if you are hearing oh they might trade the pick or they might go with Doncic um that that it's sort of they're trying to just you know keep their leverage open and see what offers might come in but Aiden is obviously from close by he is a seemingly natural pair for Devin Booker and they just seem, you know, the word is that they're very, very high on him. Um, I, I I don't know about you guys. I mean, you're, you're on the west, or at least closer to the west coast. Maybe you've actually watched him. I I confess, I every time he would play, it was after my bedtime. So and, and then they <laughs> lost in the first round. So I think I maybe saw 15 minutes of Aiden, and, and then I, I think I've seen maybe 15 minutes of Aiden play in my life. So I just I don't yeah. feel so that informed about whether.
0: This is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it seems that he's kind of the consensus, but Doncic being a possibility as well. It depended who got the pick and what their needs were. Phoenix says nothing but needs. Uh, right. When you when you uh, when you suggested we do the podcast today, I, just uh, organizing this at the front. Uh, what 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 is the main thrust of what you'd like to talk about today on the pod in terms of the NBA draft? Is it sort of how the Duke got, where the Duke guys are going to go? Was it the top? Ten or fifteen to kind of go through the players and teams. Uh, Devin, what 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 do you have in mind well, exactly?
2: Uh, I, I think I had in mind mostly since it's a Duke podcast, just going through the Duke players, and since they are so neatly sprinkled throughout the draft, you can almost have a proxy conversation about the draft order um, by virtue of where they're going to go. Right? I mean,
0: there'll be a big there'll be a big gap in in sort of the. Sure. Low, you know, the low lottery
2: in 20s, because uh, I, I, you know, maybe the combine gets some of our other guys up, but I, I doubt it's going to get them up very far. Um, you know, Marvin Bagley almost becomes a proxy to talk about the first few picks. And even though nobody thinks he's going to go number one, it's almost interesting to talk about why people don't think he's a number one pick um, um, and whether he would be
0: if another team was drafting number one, right? Um, I haven't heard him yeah. mentioned as even a possibility of being the number one pick, uh, and the range seems to be three through five, three through six, potentially for him. Uh, and the, I guess it's, I'll sort just say su- it's sort of
1: surprising that he he seems so the top people just seem to be picking at him, and he, people aren't glowing about him, which is. Which is weird, I think.
0: I actually looked at looked up his stats again, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, and I didn't realize he had hit 39.7% of his three pointers. Although it was mostly weighted towards the end of the he got season. Got really hot at the end. Did you guys know he made 11 of his last 20 threes? He only shot 53 total for the season. So yeah. before that, he was shooting, he was making like one out of three, and then he went on this hot streak. He ended up being almost 40% three point shooter. And I was like, wow, this guy's like, that that looks pretty dominant. People were talking about Jaron Jackson. Uh, his three-point shooting, and not not at all about Bagley all year. Yeah. And then at the end, he makes this run. So it's it's partly because people were leaving him open because he wasn't hitting him most of the year. Uh, but it, it's it's weird that his the
1: look of his three-point shot is much better than his free throw look. Yeah. You know, it's his three-point yeah. shooting seems fluid. But again, like the sample size is so small for these guys. Um. I mean, if you guys remember Derek Williams when he came out in 2011, he shot like 55, 58 percent from three. Christian Laettner shot like 48 percent from three in college, and both those guys shot in the 20 percent from threes in the NBA. So you can't just look at these 50, 60, 70 three-point shots that people people took.
0: So I'm
2: I'm a little mystified about the. I think Pete used the right word, nitpicking. Uh, Marvin Bagley. And, you know, obviously we're, we're biased, but I'm really surprised. I mean, it's um, his numbers were incredible. Um, and, you know, you don't want to get too hyped up about numbers, but he scored so easily. Like, I, it was, I don't think I've ever seen a D player around the hoop score so effortlessly. And I'm not just talking about footwork and moves, it's just like, he had this gift for, like, dumping the ball so fast I, I almost couldn't see it, you know? <laughs> like, it was, and and he could jump, like, four times before other people could get off the ground once or twice. It's The, the explosiveness, I just feel like.
1: Yeah, I feel this, his second jump was the most impressive thing I've seen from him.
2: And it's almost it's almost like people are saying, well, on the one hand, he's got this explosiveness, but on this other hand, he doesn't have X things. And I keep thinking, yeah, but the explosiveness matters so much more than the other thing. Like, this is the
1: NBA. I didn't didn't hear what you said. You said his explosiveness, but he was lacking what?
2: You know, he's explosive on the one hand, but maybe he's missing, you know, some defensive instincts on the other
0: hand. The reason, it's all about his defense. The reason he's not in the conversation for number one is his defense. He was seen as a defensive liability on this Duke team this also, year.
1: Also, his uh, outside shooting. I mean, DeAndre Ayton can actually shoot, I believe, from the outside. Yeah, but, but I just I'm, told you back, you know, back in 39 He just sure. shot 40% of his three quarters. <laughs> and he's, and
2: he's, he's, how old is he? 18 and a
1: half? Yeah, right. I mean, and I'm not saying no he couldn't...
2: kid who should be written off as a defender at age 18 and a half when we all thought Andrew Wiggins going into the NBA was gonna be a goddamn stopper at 19. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. You're gonna tell me that we're gonna not take someone as unbelievably just raw, explosive. I keep saying, he's like, he reminds me of Omari. I just, I can't remember somebody with that frame and that speed, those quicks.
1: Yeah, um, I, I mean, I guess to, I guess to counter-argue, the reason why he's not being discussed as, as the number one is because of his wingspan, his defense, and his outside shooting. Yeah, um, well, I mean,
0: yeah. it's the other guys. The reason he's yeah. not number it, it, one yeah. is because DeAndre Ayton exists. There, there are
1: many years where he would be clear-cut, the consensus number one for sure. I mean yeah. this this and draft I, I this draft clarify, is unbelievable. I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing for him to be number one. I yeah. don't think he should be. Yeah. Um,
2: but I'm surprised that there's. No, like it's almost like if you suggested that, people would think you were being ridiculous. I mean, I think I think there is no team in the NBA who would take him number one based upon things that have been printed and things that I've heard from from friends that make me think that it's true. Atlanta right. was the one place that would consider him at one. They apparently love him, and will probably end up taking him at
0: three if they can keep that back.
1: You're, you're talking. Yeah, you, you said you said Atlanta.
0: Yeah, he's at three yeah. in those places. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, are we? Are we? You know, we're kind of talking about what people are talking about. Bagley was such a big story all year. Nobody's talked about Doncic, So now like media stories are. Let's talk about Doncic. He just won EuroLeague MVP at, at his age. Uh, so you know, it's just sort I of would, the,
1: also 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 the Phoenix coach that they hired was was Doncic's coach in Europe. Uh, yeah,
2: I um, I'm I'm kind of stunned. I mean, I don't look again. I. It's kind of preposterous for me to say this, having seen basically none of DeAndre Ayton's college career. Yeah, Um, I feel like I've seen this movie before, and I don't understand why I'm seeing it in 2018 NBA. I don't get. Are we still doing this? We're still doing this with our top draft picks.
1: In terms of what over overvaluing bigs? Yeah. Okay.
2: Especially when, what have we learned? over the last three or four years, particularly from not only the dominance of the Warriors, but but young, exciting players like Giannis across the league, um, that the NBA values most these 6'9", 6'8", athletic, playmaking, three-point shooting, slashers who can basically guard one through five, right? Like that's the switchability is like the absolute premium. And you have a guy like that in the draft who is not only fits all those traits, but has actually proven himself to be the best player at what I think we all should consider now to be a much higher level of basketball than what we see in the NCAA. And yet He's almost like the consensus number two to a seven-foot big man who literally can't even defend his own position on the floor, and it's just like I don't get it. Are we still doing this? Why the fuck is at Doncic the number one pick? I
1: I would not be that surprised if Doncic went one.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I I just it, it feels like something that's, Phoenix is going to regret forever. And the only reason why I'm wondering if it isn't going to happen is because somehow that means that Sacramento is going to do the right thing, and that just seems impossible to believe. So maybe they'll ruin Doncic. I mean, I don't know, but...
1: Yeah, on a personal level, I I hope DeAndre Aiden doesn't go to Sacramento because now I can't root for Harry Giles because Giles is never going to see the floor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true too. But it just... I don't know, you guys guys maybe have watched him, and I know that, I know Aiton is
0: this fantastically nimble and athletic center. It's a little alarming that that he cannot play defense. Well, I don't think that's, that's at all true. I mean, he was pretty dominant down the stretch on the defensive end from all accounts, and again, I too have not watched, I didn't watch all of Arizona's games, but, you know, he's potentially special on defense as well, and I guess, like, what's interesting in the, from getting back to Bagley is people are talking about his inability to defend in space, and I don't necessarily know if it like, has to do with his base athleticism as much as it has to do with his decision-making. Like, he just got, like, killed on the pick-and-roll all year at Duke, right. you know, and, but I guess people think Jaron Jackson and Ayton are much, much better at guarding in space in that NBA-type type defense, so... Like I don't know, like I don't know who's going to be a better defense. I don't think Doncic is supposed to be a dominant defensive player, but we're talking about prospects. That it's just very interesting. It's it, the way these top five, top six guys get talked about, and even when you see them play, and sometimes they live up to the hype. Like Doncic lives up to the competitiveness in these Euro League. Just his team won the championship. He was the Euro League MVP. Played great all year. Those, I mean, those are good teams. Like those are, a, a
1: lot of. Uh, late twenty year old former NBA players right. are on those teams. Much
0: higher level yeah. of competition yeah. than college basketball, but but there's considered more of a limited upside, I think, with Don Chich versus some of these other prospects. When you look at Bomba, you're like, is this guy gonna be a a, a better go bear, you know, on the defensive end? Like look at the the, the length. You look at Jaron Jackson, this guy's every tool you want from a big man uh, Three-point shooting, defense, shot blocking—you know the, the certain. It's like you can think of. I can think of the prototype of each version of these guys as being a, a megastar in the NBA, and then I think about their floor, and I think about how disappointing they might be, and I can see them all being disappointments. You know, I can see Aiton being like a, you know, I think Aiton's floor is the highest, and they're thinking worst case he's like a Dwight Howard. With a jump shot, you know, and so, I mean,
2: so so you're saying wait 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 hold on so your worst case scenario for DeAndre Ayton is he a Hall of Famer with a jump shot?
0: I mean that that's that's how he's talked about is that he's like physically dominant, huh? That has to be his ceiling,
1: not his floor. His his ceiling is Shaquille O'Neal with a jump shot.
0: Yeah, his ceiling Shaquille O'Neal. is his floor is uh, like a poor man's Dwight Howard. You know. Probably, mean, type that's probably that's much a, more skilled. How about old Dwight Howard, not young that's, Dwight Howard? Old Dwight Howard doesn't play like a Hall of Famer.
2: <laughs> but still, that's a pretty, I mean.
0: And what's back, Lee? Are B- you guys saying that there's? you see no chance that, that DeAndre Ayton is, I'm trying to think of like a Jonas
2: Valanciunas. Huge, very skilled offensively. If you play Jonas Valanciunas 35 minutes a game, he will probably score 18 to 20 points a game. In fact, I, he probably has. There's no chance that the Andre Eaton's ceiling is that
1: I mean, absolutely. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: know anything. His ceiling
1: could be. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. I mean, like. That's Obviously lower than that. I'm I mean,
0: only if, 70% if just... certain of everything that comes out of my mouth, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know no, anything. No, I just, I what just, do I, just, mean, I know? I don't mean like that 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 suggests that suggests that like Aiden's
2: bust potential is effectively a borderline all-star. Well,
0: everyone and, can bust, right? But Yeah. When people think no, of I mean, reasonable the, downside, they're probably thinking Bagley might not be able to play basketball on the defensive end in the NBA. I think of course he'll be able to figure it out, right?
1: I do not think Deandre Aiden can bust. <laughs> Just, but that's fine. It's that's not going to happen.
0: He's like, yeah, Doncic isn't going to bust either. He's not going to be terrible. His worst case is yeah. probably like a much more talented Dario Saric kind of player, right? You talk with, about Doncic yeah. with better handles, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, which,
1: he's,
2: which is, I think you know people sort of seem to think of him as almost like a. Is it fair to say
0: a, like a, a much bigger Jokic? You're talking. Well here's the thing, let's talk Dantich. about biases, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of just biases that play into how these picks get talked about, just based on yeah. who they physically resemble. And yeah, I is, I, I, right
2: I hate I hate that I just did the international thing with an international player. Uh,
0: <laughs> sure. But, like, Okafor's recent lack of success in the NBA probably hurts Bagley just because they both are big guys with Duke uniforms on. No, they had much you know? different games. Uh, they're totally it's, it's, it's different. It's true. They're such it,
1: different players. Yeah, much, really much different wild, games. But I, but, I, but I
2: also, but I know what you mean. I think that there is, um, I just, I think with Bagley, it's just an underrating of his best skill in, in, in a way that there's no other comparison between their their games, but kind of like the way, People just, you know, write off Russell Westbrook's, you know, like alien athleticism, and you're like, no, 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 that's the whole thing. Like, <laughs> it's, you can't forget about that part. It's like it's incredible, and with Bagley, it's, um, it's that such... part is so good. That speed is so good. It's, it's you watch that and you're like, okay, yeah, he's gonna do that in the NBA. Of course he is. Yeah,
0: his his. I guess he's such a given at what he's really good at that people are just left to talk about the other stuff because there's nothing to talk about when it comes to his strengths. Uh, but I guess the same could be said of anyone. You could look at any any prospect that way. And the more familiar people get with a prospect, the more they tend to start talking about the negatives. And that's yeah. one of the reasons people have to come out yeah, after I the mean, first it's, year. It's, it's
1: natural. Yeah, I mean, they have to do it.
0: Right, which brings us to Grayson. We forgot how athletic he was, and then he's the testing off the charts and the and the thing. But yeah, I don't even know. I don't even, know, I don't even
1: know what a lane agility thing is, but apparently he had the best score in combine history. Who <laughs> did Grayson? Grayson Allen, yeah. Yeah, that's um, you
0: know, and a, and a forty a pretty, inch, and a forty inch vertical. Yeah, a, he's a pretty scarily athletic guy, and you know, he's a you know the classic example of we should probably go skip back to Wendell before we get too far off on of Grayson
2: Grayson. But like, you know, talking about the comps and the habit of people to sort of racialize or ethnicize their comps and, you know, Grayson from the very arrival had always been compared to the validity of, you know, sluggishly effective scoring DQs. When when we first saw him, we're like, oh my God, I can like jump over a gym. Like, you know, it's, and his athleticism is—it's
0: amazing—and yet also totally unsurprising to hear that about Grayson. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. You know, you, you know, we didn't. There was there were spells where we didn't see him do athletic things as much as he usually did. You know, because he had some some injury issues and maybe some confidence issues. Uh, and then Trey Duvall also forty-inch vertical, Gary Trent thirty-nine-inch vertical. I didn't notice I didn't notice Gary Trent had those kind of ups this year. Like
1: yeah, you, you I d I didn't recall any transition, fast break, dunks.
0: Well there's testing. Yeah. I mean he did have a couple of transition blocks, I guess, now that I think about it. But there's there's the way people test and then there's the way people actually play. Right? And ball oh, yeah. Ball don't lie, oh, yeah. right, Devin. <laughs> I mean gee. I mean it's it, you know, I have such opposite opinions of hearing this
2: athleticism information about Grayson and and, and Trey Duvall, because I, I thought for a while that, that Grayson has slipped too far. Um, that his athleticism is so underrated, and probably will continue to be underrated, but he's, he is, and he's such a good shooter. Um, and such a lunatic. But a lunatic who I think will thrive in the NBA when he's not First of all, number one, when he's not under the radar the way he is at And number two, and I'm glad I can say this in front of Duke people, when the stuff he does becomes the stuff that everybody is doing in every goddamn game in the NBA. And so nobody cares anymore. And he can play. And he is a dynamic, obviously NBA-level athlete. Whereas Duval is exactly the kind of player who the combine tricks people into misleading because he has a 40 inch vertical and does not know what to do with the ball on his way up or his way down. I mean it's it, it, he's just not a good basketball player right now and I can't see someone like him getting on the floor in an NBA game for at least a couple of years.
0: Yeah he reminds me of a uh... The guy who went number one last year, Markel Fultz, the way he played in the NBA this year. He was, was He's a, way, a lot of control. I mean, Marco Fultz, like, you know, was not himself this year. He completely lost his confidence. He lost his shot. Mechanics of it all went away. And he was left out there sort of not knowing what to do a lot of the time. He actually showed, a few, showed some flashes of talent. He had a triple-double towards the end of the season, but they couldn't play him because... He didn't. He couldn't space the floor. He couldn't do certain things, and it sort of reminded me as I was watching the Sixers down the stretch, and like imagining how Fultz could be helpful to the team in the playoffs. It reminded me of Duval, and in the end, I had to conclude they'd be better off with him off the court. Yeah. And you know, the coach concluded the same thing. And hopefully, Fultz will be back and figure out his jump shot and end up being able to apply all that athleticism. But I don't. You know, Duval's never really done it. You know. Foltz did it in college for a while, uh, but it's interesting that I, I'm comparing DeVal in my head as I'm watching the th- last year's number one go, and it just shows you sort of how thin the line is. It's not really about how athletic these guys are. It's about how good they are at playing basketball, right? In the end, the, where you're drafted doesn't matter. What you tested at doesn't matter, you know. Uh, I guess go, getting back to the to the top ten because we should talk about Wendell Carter. Uh, I figured I would just sort of run down the ESPN sort of insider. You know, yeah. uh, you know their Jonathan Givney from Draft Express now works for ESPN. Their current uh, mock is DeAndre Ayton number one, Doncic number two to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Which will help Harry Giles' career, hopefully, if he ever sees the court. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Bagley at three to the Hawks. Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State to the Grizzlies. Bamba from Texas to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Trey Young to the Magic at six. Good luck to the Magic. Uh, And then they have have Wendell Carter at seven (laughs) to the Bulls. Uh, Devin, you want to weigh in on Trey Young and Wendell Carter? Because we haven't oh, had time. Any... You know, it sounds the Sounds
2: like thing... Thing. Okay, I'll get to Wendell in a minute. Because I need to rant about Trey Young for a little bit. And how terrified I am with Trey Young. Because if you'll notice...
0: Speaking I of mean, measurables. The only thing standing between the Knicks
2: and Trey Young, so far as I can tell, uh, is the Orlando magic. Um... And I'm so terrified. It's just it, 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 there's no Knicksier player
0: at the top of this draft than Trey Young. <laughs> and, and and I just know that the Knicks will not be able to
2: resist him if he's on the board. And he will here's what's gonna happen with Trey Young. They're gonna draft Trey Young and then by the beginning of his second season the tabloids in New York will be going crazy about how Trey Young won't pass the ball to Porzingis. I mean, this is written in the sky if we get this guy. And he will be shooting them out of mixed games for five years. And the only way this isn't going to happen is if Orlando does what I actually think they may do um, and take him. Um, the other possibility is Cleveland, I could see them taking
0: him, um, and that that would be great as well. So give me, um, give me your Trey Young NBA comp. Is it Lou Williams? The way you're talking no, about? No, no,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> Lou, Lou Williams makes his shot at the NBA level. You know, whenever you hear that somebody's wingspan is only an inch longer than their height, I'm not taking that guy in the NBA.
0: Not a lottery. Does that does,
1: does that include Marvin Bagley?
2: Um, well at least Marvin Bagley is starting off at the same height as the rim um, or you know can jump <laughs> and can dunk incredibly quickly
0: Grayson he, Grayson also has a, a really small wingspan is that yeah, true? yeah okay I
2: should take yeah. I should take that back but, but, but remember I thought trail, he was at like 6'8 he, he, he's 6'2 uh, he's listed as 6'2 and you know that sort of thing makes me really nervous when people are comparing him to Steph Curry and Steph Curry is not only quite a lot, quite a bit taller than him, um, as guards go, but is, you know, shaped like an octopus, and is one of the most gifted and intelligent players ever to play the game, Young mm-hmm. with none of those things, so far as I can tell, and he's
0: exactly the kind of who will go to, I mean, isn't, you know, look, Malik Monk could still turn into a good player, but would you rather, even right now, I'd rather have Malik Monk than Trey Young. I think you're you're undercrediting, you know, out of fear. You're undercrediting Trey Young's playmaking ability. He's uh he's like a really dynamic point guard, and uh, you know, coming into college, a big program like Oklahoma, even in a year where they didn't have a ton of stars around him, like he did accomplish a lot. He his his usage rate was incredibly high, which partly accounted for his lower shooting percentages. It, it tailed off, you know, his defenses adjusted, but he. he he really had a very high volume of assists. And and listen, I'm the guy who was hoping we would play Oklahoma because, you know, I was not afraid of Trey Young. I, I do I do think he was overrated this year. I do I do think it would be a mistake to, to pick him in the in the top six, seven, eight of the draft. Um, maybe nine is okay, I'm not sure. But he seems like the perfect pick. Sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. he seems like the perfect He's, pick for the
1: Los Angeles Clippers who have what
2: twelve and thirteen? Yes. That's perfect. That's perfect. I mean, I don't know
0: that it'll last that long, but that's perfect. Use one of them on him and shoot the moon. Um, yeah. But his upside is is a guy named uh, Steph Curry, right? No. It's that, not. That, that's his upside. that's his upside. No. Dream comp. No. no. De- Devin no. Devin, where where does
1: no. all where does all your um, animosity for Young come from? Did you only watch a few games towards the end of the season?
2: Um, I watched a few games. You know, I saw the highlights at the beginning, and I definitely didn't watch the end. I just, I'm sorry, I just don't think he's that good. I think that you asked me the comp for him. I think the very, 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 very best case scenario is Kemba Walker. And it took Kemba many years to become Kemba Walker.
1: I think Kemba Walker's a bit more athletic than Trey Young, but I feel like Trey Young
0: well, I mean, is geez, you just well, not as ball good ball. a passer, not as good a playmaker.
1: <laughs> right, but I mean Trey Young. I, I think both you guys are are are, are vastly underrating Trey Young. I mean, shooting is at a premium. He's a, f- a world class shooter, and he's a good passer. And yeah, he's short. And yeah, he doesn't have a long wingspan. And yeah, he's a poor defender. But you know, so is Steph Curry.
0: He's got sick, sick range,
2: can, right? Can, can we, can, can we stop <laughs> talking? stop comparing him to Steph Curry, please? <laughs> He's not. He has done none of that at the pro level. And Steph Curry took four years to become Steph Curry. And it's like Steph Curry. You know, you're talking about Oklahoma and him carrying Oklahoma, and having this terrible team. Steph Curry went to be a lead eight with fucking Davidson. Like this guy has. No basis for being compared to Steph Curry, even by virtue of his college performances. It's, and that's the thing to me. It's like it, I, you, I don't think you can build an NBA franchise around this guy. He's too small and too slight, slight even if he's the best version of what you think he's going to be. I would take the idea that someone would take him before Ken, before Wendell Carter is incredible to me. That's incredible to me.
1: Well, I mean, team needs.
2: No, no, no. I suppose, but like yeah. when Drew Holiday is the 16th or 17th best point guard in the NBA and tearing up in the playoffs, I'm just not sure that that the value of Trey Young is all that high. There's there's a lot of really good scoring guards to go around in the NBA. It's actually not that hard to find them. Yeah. And players like Wendell, I think, are. Um, Another guy who, of course, I think is underrated. But, but whereas I think Bagley is underrated, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong. I kind of know Wendell is underrated, um, and that's why it's exciting to see where he'll go because he's one of those kind of players where you could see around if he falls like the seventh or eighth pick, a like Danny Ainge type making the serious effort to trade up and try to get him. Right? You know somebody who's like holy cow this guy has not has fallen way too far uh, maybe it's 9 or 10 um, but that's how I look at him that guy and I know I've said this before but he's Al Warford to me he has Al Horford
0: potential oh, I, like the, I like that comparison for, for Wendell that, that's a cool one I, I, I sort of saw him as a little like you know like physically seemed like Carmelone-esque to me you know like just yeah, yeah. I, I love his feet under him, his sense of balance on the court, and his just his calmness, you know, under pressure. I just I, I really liked watching Carter play all year. I was surprised that he measured under six nine without shoes at the combine. Uh, Surprise you guys 68 None and that None of that six, stuff, stuff surprised me at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean I just I mean, honestly I assume they're all shorter than they say,
2: right? I mean
0: Yeah. However, by, the more important measure is the wingspan and the standing reach. He had, a, he had a nine, one standing reach and a 74 or 75 wingspan more than I expected and you know, really crazy ratios when, when it comes down to it and you and know that, that's why he, he knows how to he knows how to use it,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, good, good yeah, blocker. He really knows how to use good blocker. blocker, and even yeah. when he doesn't block the shot, he, he can still disrupt shots and af- affect things. I mean, he he's a very good post post defender.
0: Yeah, I love, I love I love Carter.
2: He was our best player. I mean, and I I felt like, and that became pretty apparent by the end of the year, that I felt like he was the one guy on our team who really knew how to play basketball, and or at least it was clear that he learned fast and was going to become a really good basketball player. Because you know, he was even you know, kind of a knucklehead at points in the season as well, particularly with fouls and stuff like that. But like, he, he has aptitude for the game, clearly. And that makes him a very exciting player when you consider there's pretty much nothing on the floor you can't move. You know?
0: How do we feel about his mother, Devin? Do we, do we love this woman and all the things now, she's saying?
2: It's a Hero. Hero. For
0: those who don't know, can you, do you you know offhand she's been giving some oh, she,
2: yeah she's she's been compa- she's been comparing the NCAA you know to slave uh, mentality, which honestly I mean is that really I mean I guess it's unusual to hear that come out of the mother of a star player, um, but I don't think it's a particularly new thought, and you know she was you know Wendell Carter had his name attached in headlines to the word FBI investigation um something that will come up in every Google for the rest of his life and it's a crock of shit and we all know it it was like a meal with an assistant coach or something like that that he bought for her and he got his name smeared and I think she's right to be really angry about that um that you know, the the he gets smeared and the NBA gets to see moral and self righteous while sneezing these kids out.
0: That was great. Good for her. Yeah, the report came out from the Condoleezza Rice led committee. It was just it was more of the same from the NCAAs. I don't think we fully got into it on the podcast. I don't think we, we have, but we, we talked about it throughout the year, how it's just this incongruence between sort of the way the way things should be the way people most people think they should be the way these athletes you know how me and you look at them as these these very bright potentially uh famous uh pro basketball players basically get treated as sort of this subclass while they're in college they get subjected to these ridiculous rules about they're not able to to do certain things. His mother had lunch with a guy who wanted to talk to her about some things and he paid for lunch. She barely No, he the, the story there, is there actually
1: was no meal. I'm actually I'm probably on the opposite side as you guys.
0: What's that? Uh Well, slavery is a little much, right? No, but, I mean not so much. I mean <laughs> she
1: she can say whatever she wants, but I I just I just feel like she painted herself as naive for that meeting and I don't I don't buy that. Not
2: even more huh?
1: I mean, the, the guy was a bag man. He just went around, dropped, he, he gave people cash. I mean, that was his job. Christian Dawkins, uh, that, was, that was his job. And so to say, oh, we went to this meeting with this guy. Okay, so you went to meet with this person for a meal, but you didn't, you know, ask around, say, you know, who is he? What does he do? Just strikes me as a bit...
0: The, Un- unbelievable for but, me. Well, the point is, yeah, like, mean, why can't she have lunch to with whoever she wants? Yeah. Why can't yeah. no Carter? Sure, that's that's, that's that's negotiate fine. I mean, things? That's not why
2: she's calling it a you know a, a
0: slave situation. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, it's
2: you know, I, I, I we get into sort of ethically slippery territory when we're asking about the things that people do to evade obviously preposterous and uh, rules. But you know, her point is about the the the, the system. Um,
1: yeah, the system is pretty screwed up.
2: Pretty screwed up. Very and, screwed you
1: know, up. But and, and so you know that's fine. I mean, I, I think that there was a there was a sector of the universe that took
2: it as a jab at Duke particularly, and and I did remotely. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear that obviously Duke is a participant in the system, um, but you know she she, she we're the devil she chose, um, and she has never expressed any sense of um, displeasure with that. You know, with, with, with Duke in
0: particular, I think she was criticizing a system. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he has to go to a college. No, he they, doesn't. He can well, go he to Europe. He can to. go to the yeah. G League. I mean, yeah, they, they, they're, they're
1: yeah, also they're mean, also, they're also he's promoting his yeah. brand by being on ESPN yeah, for twenty twenty five games, and, and and that's that's fine. Uh, but I mean, for for decades and decades and decades, football and basketball has paid for every single sport at every college. I mean, that's just how it's been, and with the NCAA tournament becoming crazy popular over the last 20, 30 years. Everyone has gotten filthy rich, and if they want to redistribute that to the players, I mean, that's fine, but I just, I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a stretch. Well, she, it's not It's saying.
0: not even redistribute the, the TV revenue directly to the players, because there's all sorts of problems with, with all the ideas that are centered around that concept. Yeah. But, but why can't Wendell Carter sign an autograph or sell a yeah. T-shirt... With his yes. name on it, yeah. why does the yes. NCAA or Duke own his his right to yes. do that right. and That's actively prevent him and vilify him from trying to make money off his own sweat? You sure, know, I, I, own I think name. that
2: that is unbelievable, and it, it is it is a direct. I mean, it, there is a direct comparison. Um, not a complete and perfect comparison, but there is a direct comparison there between that and slavery. Not being able to make any money, being forbidden from making money off of your name and your work is a form of slavery. It just is. Or indentured servitude, which is, you know, probably more close to the right phrase, but that's definitely what it is. So if you refer to it as a form of slavery, it's true. And that's just crazy.
0: it's It's a... It's a useful metaphor or analogy. It's obviously not literal slavery, but, <laughs> but like the, the point is they, they formed this committee led by sort of some, somebody from the outside, theoretically, and they didn't say one thing about that, right? They just yeah. defended this concept, this ancient concept of amateurism. They, they, it was defensive, all their, their findings. It was a joke when they released it and there was nothing progressive. They, it it was just, the NCAA has, has has exercised too much power control over these kids, their ability to earn their freedom, you know, back to the slavery thing, but, and it was strange. It was discordant that that nothing came out. So that along with Carter being drugged through the mud and those stories and what's going on with college basketball provoked this response from his mother and, you know, I think kind of good for her that she's coming yeah, out there and, and calling on know, what of, shit. You know one, one of the reasons, sorry to take this on a tangent, but it's one of the reasons why I love the
2: NBA um, versus the NFL, is if, a, if an NFL player's mother had said that at the draft combine, I really think it probably would have hurt that kid's draft division. I mean, I'm not even being facetious. I think that there would have been days of coverage about, you know, just think about all the nonsense that we had to hear about Josh Rosen daring to have a brain and opinions of his own and whether or not that was going like, to torpedo his franchise. And that was taken seriously as a conversation. No one would even entertain the notion of drafting Wendell Carter lower because of anything his mother said. They just shrug and be like, yeah, he's right. Maybe you should draft him even higher. seems like a smart kid. You know, like, it's just a – I don't know why I like that more as a league. It's just the candor of it. Um, and, you know, get your money, Wendell. I can't wait to see where he lands. I mean, obviously, I think I'm showing my hand, but there's a chance that he could be there when the Knicks draft. and But that also
0: means that there is a very good chance that he could be there when the Knicks draft and they will pass on him. And I've been there before. Um, so Well, the Knicks pick you know, at number nine, and there's actually a bunch of really fascinating prospects they might be able to grab there, including but That's true, and I, I, <laughs> yeah. I acknowledge the fact that, that I'm being biased by my love for Wendell Carter, but, you know, the, somebody
2: could draft Wendell Carter right before the Knicks, and maybe Michael Porter is there. And, you know, Michael Porter might be the sort of mystery box of the entire draft, right? I mean, it's, um, it, you know, I, I think if he goes to the Knicks, that almost guarantees he won't be, and I just don't see how the Knicks can defend taking a guy like Michael Porter with his back issues while Chris Apps is out with his knee It just seems like that's suicidal.
0: Michael Porter, um, poor poor man's Kevin Durant with a bad back. <laughs> Who you knows? know I think that never well, no, look, I, very thin.
1: I, I, I don't think I don't think either of those guys are going to be around that long. Who, Porter or or uh, Wendell Carter for the Knicks? At yeah, nine. probably. I just I, probably. Don't, I don't see that happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess we should uh, get to our later draft picks: uh, Gary Trent, Trey DuVal, and uh, Grayson Allen. Well, we'll skip we'll skip picks ten through twenty probably in the draft. And are we hoping? Devin, what are you hearing? You're hearing anything about these guys? I have my own opinions, but you're the guest. Uh, what do you, What do you think about those three guys? You already sort of gave us a hint about your your opinion yeah. that Grayson is going to be, a, you know, potentially a strong pro. Trey Duvall, you you think is likely going to? Would you say he's likely going to wash out, or just he's going to take a long time to figure it out? Uh, and what do you think about Gary Sherrill <sighs> as a prospect? I don't know.
2: Well, I fear I babbled too long about the NCAA that I'm gonna to have to run a a few minutes after I hear what you guys have to think about these guys, so I'll try to keep myself first. I have tremendous worries about Trade Wall. I just I don't I don't see him making it in the NBA. I, I don't and I realize that's a tough thing to say about someone who's NP team but he's a bad shooter. Um and it's almost impossible to stay on the floor in the
0: NBA as a bad shooter unless you are really transcendently good at something
2: else and he's not he's not he's got other skills but they're not any better than a lot of other NBA players Um, I just I don't see it and I'm I'm surprised he's in this draft I think he's making a big mistake I think whomever drafts him is making a big mistake because even if he turns out to be a player there's no way it's going to happen on uh, a a two year rookie deal and I don't get it um, I think I, you know. I think Grayson could be a nice spine for somebody if he gets taken in the right situation. I think that will be it with Grayson. It will be all about the situation, and his good fortune is that he's probably going to get taken by a good team, um, and and that really could make a difference. There's a lot of places where, uh, if he's in a good situation, he could become a very,
1: very, very good player. Um, so you, and you, I'm very. You think Grayson's gonna enough. gonna go in late first round? I think he's got a shot, especially if,
2: um, if you know what you guys have been saying about the combine, like, you know, if you're the top testing athlete overall, you were at the bottom of the first round, Hey, probably going to move up a little bit. Right. I mean, why not? That's, that's the sort of place where a good team will say, give me the guy with super athleticism and I'll teach him how to play basketball better. Right. I mean, isn't that exactly what happens in those rounds? Like, couldn't we see someone like Masai Ujiri taking someone like Grayson? And as soon as it happens, we're like, Ooh, he knows something. You know, like, it's, he seems like that kind of a kid. Um, whereas, you know, like I was saying earlier, I think I think Trey Duval is is exactly the kind of guy who tricks a, you know, goes to the combine and tricks a bad front office into thinking that they've, they've got some, you know, they've got a diamond in the rust. Trent, Gary Trent, I'm actually pretty bullish on just because we've had some amazing shooters at Duke. As you guys well know, I don't think I've ever seen a guy get as incredibly red hot as that guy can get. And yes, he can go in slumps because shooters are slumpy. But man, when he is on, how many games do you have where he like makes five of seven threes
0: or four? Peter's minutes? like making a face at you right now. <laughs>
1: uh, I, think he had, I think he had a two and a half week stretch where he was walking on water
0: and you yeah, do that I've, as lucky. I
2: don't know, Let I mean let me consult the numbers right now because maybe you're right, maybe, Yeah, he
1: he shot, shot shot like, he shot he shot like he shot like 41% on the year. Uh very good shooter. I I, I 40% I,
0: from 3,
1: 40%. I mean I loved him shooting I mean, primarily because I mean, he's a good shooter. Like he shot close to 90% or 85% from the free throw line. He's yeah. He's a good
0: shooter. He's a really good shooter. Yeah. He's a yeah. really okay. good
2: shooter. look and, and look, I mean we're <laughs> talking about the second round here. Right, we're talking
0: solid second round. I and think Gary did, Trent actually has an outside chance of being a first round pick,
1: be- and also be- an outside chance of going undrafted. I think I
0: don't no, think well, I, I, no, I, don't, I think don't think there's I, any I chance I, actually. Because I think he'd
2: be very surprised if he went undrafted because he's six yeah. six and he has an unquestionable NBA level skill, and, that, and that's why I think he's going to be a good player. Is if you're drafting Gary Trent with the fortieth pick. Yeah, I mean, I think his low end is a a sharpshooter, right? It, especially at six
0: six. I mean, it's you know. That's, yeah, that's, the other that's, thing that, the other thing we haven't really talked about is Gary Trent was the only only one of the three guys that played in the scrimmages at the combine, and he showed out pretty well. He uh, he was the leading scorer in one of the scrimmages. Because
1: all the good players didn't play.
0: Well, a lot some did, some didn't, and one guy that didn't was trade ball, And it actually left... Great, I, great, I read Grayson some things. didn't play? Grayson didn't play. Wasn't expected to play. Oh. Duvall was expected to play. Said he was going to play. And then he pulled out. Okay. Which I think had some people scratching their heads. Because he was kind of disappointing on the court at Duke in some respects. And there's a lot of questions. And you know, it, it could mean one of two things. Somebody gave him some sort of promise. Or he's just afraid to... To, to compete on the court because he, you know, his game isn't that tight right now. Um, or that kind of thing. I mean, he's getting advice from all sorts of people. Who knows the reason why? Maybe he was feeling a little under the weather, but that what that wasn't what came out. So, like, going away from the combine, people were talking about Gary Trent's stock rising, and people weren't, were were saying get, uh, Trey Duvall may have hurt himself further, which be, is why because, I
1: think Because he didn't play the five-on-fives? Because he didn't
0: play and he was supposed to. Okay. I mean that and you know, look those, but also his measurements
2: if, if, those are if you told me going into the combine how I think that they'd show out in that situation, that's probably what I would say would happen. I think that the people would come away more impressed with Trent and I think it's 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 both a good thing that Trent was not afraid of hurting his hurting his value by playing and that when he did, even if it was less than two year competition, he was still the best one on the floor. Both of those things matter and Duval both seem to once again misread the ways in which he could improve his value and that doesn't that doesn't bode well either right you know good decision making is people think next year's draft isn't very good why wouldn't you and don't give me this playing time thing how many times have we seen guys who only get like 20-25 minutes in the NBA draft go on pure potential the playing time thing was such a Dumb Canard. That Kennard. Uh, I'm, 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 supr- I'm, I'm surprised we even have to hear it anymore. It's, it, 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 it's meaningless. Um,
0: I'm gonna have to run actually, but I. Uh, I'm gonna give you one I, more I, piece of information yeah, on Trayceaval sure. before you run. It's that okay. he measured at six one and a half without shoes, while Grayson was six three and Gary Trent was six four and a half. And before you okay. go. So that also hurts. A little I bit. I've been
1: banging away. We've both been banging away on trade of all all year, but I feel like you guys have been really harsh on him. I don't think you can
0: I think he's got what, upside. Still, one sure. one
1: year at Duke or one year at college, you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. I think his upside is reasonably high and it wouldn't, you know, obviously surprise me if he became a pretty good player. But I, I, I hear what you're saying. He does a lot of knuckleheadish types of things
0: yeah. on the court. Yeah, anyway, thanks for well, coming I mean, on today, Devin. Well, I just, no, no, I mean, I'm
2: going to go, but I, I just, you know, Pete, I don't want to uh, mince words about him, and I don't want to leave the wrong impression about Trey Duvall um, on a good podcast. So no, let yeah.
1: Me say,
2: let, me, let me just say that I think he completely stinks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, I, I agree with you. He did, but there's the I thing. He can he can work on the shooting. He's got explosiveness. He has athleticism. He has been capable of being a great passer. I feel like and he's only eighteen or nineteen. Like why can't he become much, much, much better?
2: No no no, you're right. I think he should work
0: on all that stuff in China. Except except in China. Except <laughs> he stinks and he should go to China. Thanks for the for the uh, Appreciate the opinions. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take, it All right, take care, Devin. All right, All right. So that was Devin. Gordon always always has something to say uh, and says it better than we do usually. Um, why don't we round out the discussion by making our predictions about what will happen with these guys at the draft? Sure. Uh, I, believe, I believe the hype. I think Bagley's going to go three. I think Carter's going to go a, towards the end of the top ten. Uh, I think Grayson Allen will be an early 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 second round pick will get guaranteed money I think Gary Trent will be will be picked between 27 and 35 if I had to bet on one of those two guys we picked higher I'd pick Gary Trent I think he'll also get guaranteed money and I think Trey Duvall will be a, a pick in the 40s or low 50s and may or may not get a little bit of guaranteed money uh but i think he's going to be the, the last of the th- i think they're all going to get drafted. I think DeVal has enough upside where he you know somebody is going to want him in their camp. Yeah. Badly enough to put you know put a second round grade on him. Right. I think you know a lot of teams have a second round grade on. Him, but um what do you what do you see it? Do you see it differently? Um
1: just a little bit. I mean it, it wouldn't shock me if Bagley dropped. Um Atlanta has a third pick. They've got John Collins they're high on him. Collins was very good back to the basket center. Um,
0: yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, they, that's a little bit of a talent match issue. They're, they they play similar positions,
1: you right? Know. And and if if bag and if it turns out Bagley actually cannot shoot from the outside, that's two bigs you have to play who can't shoot.
0: Yeah, but there's no guard that's rated. A top five in the draft player. The other options are right. Bamba, Jaron Jackson. Like so
1: Jaron Jackson, who maybe can shoot from the outside, is a much better defender. Might might fit in better. But yeah. again, like who knows? It wouldn't shock me. He's going to go somewhere between three, four, five, maybe six. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I can see people being higher on Jaron Jackson. I can see people falling in love with uh, Michael Porter, um, Wendell Carter. I would be surprised if he dropped past seven. Chicago Bulls. Um, I mean, I I think Wendell Carter is fantastic, and yeah.
0: once in a while, some foreign prospect comes out of nowhere in the draft process. Doesn't seem like that's happening yeah. I, right so, I now. saw
1: one kid in the mid-teens who's yeah. I, I had no idea who the guy was. Um, regarding our guards, I really have no idea. Um, would I be more surprised if these guys were first-round picks or if they went undrafted?
0: Yeah,
1: I think I'd be more surprised if they were first-round picks.
0: Uh, it's reasonable to think one of them what? one of them might get drafted in the first round. at the beginning like, of the yeah. year, we thought they were all first
1: rounders. Well, most most of the mock drafts, sure. Gary I mean, Trent
0: was in the top 20. Trey DeVal was right around 20. And Grayson yeah. was in the 20s yeah. for most of the year from these mocks. Right. Uh, you know, if you look pull up a random mock, one of them might be at the end of the first round. Uh, one of them might not be. Yeah, there are so, a few
1: that yeah. that have uh, Trent and Duvall off the board, both first and second round.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe you know Trent showing well at the combine kind of affects that. But but the, when people show when when players show well at the combine, it's not like they vault from being the 50th pick in the draft to being the 15th pick in the draft. Right. That doesn't happen. Yeah. That rarely rarely happens. So it's more they were going to get picked in the 40s and now they're going to get picked in the 30s. Kind of a thing, sure. Um, And 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 again,
1: I mean, we didn't really talk about it. I I think he wanted to, but you know, what does it mean to be a second-round draft pick? What what's your role? What's that going to mean? It doesn't really matter that much, I guess. The difference between being a second-round pick and going undrafted because you're probably not going to get that much playing time, obviously.
0: Well, it used to be, you know, it used to be that first-round ride or die, right? Okay. And because second rounders didn't get any guaranteed money. But what's happened in the last few years and you know, this is partially like a Sam Hinky special kind of thing, uh, he, he he's teams started wanting to lock up their second rounders to longer term guaranteed contracts just in case they ended up being good. In so case like, they ended so up like being like a four like or
1: five year deal with Obviously, pays not that much, maybe yeah, a million. Four-year deal, four thousand. and a
0: half, five million, at the, or three years with a team option for a fourth, okay. or two, or just two years with a team option for a third. Team favorable contracts.
1: And these kids just want to lock up security as much as they can early on because they're not sure they can. They want to They do, might. They might not make it.
0: They want to do two things. They yeah. want to lock up some money, right? Yeah. They don't want to get cut after camp. Yeah. And then the other part of it is they want the team invested in their development. Right? So the team's going to be more invested in, in, in Grayson Allen's development if they have him locked up for three years, maybe four. Right, The Sixers had TJ McConnell locked up in a four-year deal. They had Robert Covington locked up in a four-year deal. And so they were invested, they were incentivized to keep investing coaching resources and development resources into them because they're bargains if they're any good. And if they're not good, they don't cost that much. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing we're seeing so the difference between late first round these days and early second round isn't they're getting guaranteed money or not, it's just how much money are they getting. So the 27th pick in the draft might get six million, six and a half, seven million in that four year deal, whereas the 35th pick in the draft is going to get five million, you know, four and a half million, that kind of thing. Uh, and it might, maybe it wouldn't get four years, maybe it gets two years. So it certainly matters, yeah. right? But, um, you know, either way, the team exercises a good amount of control over these young players if they choose to. Second round of picks actually have a little less of that because they become, you know, they don't become the same kind of restricted free agent. First rounders do. Uh, second, you know, People that go undrafted have, they're just in the wild, wild west, right? They could make a team that, you know, well, TJ McConnell actually was an undrafted player. So was Covington. So like, that was a bad example, I guess. But uh, other second round picks might be these days in a similar position as to how they did those deals um, but yeah it's interesting that, uh, what Devin said was correct I think it really depends where they wind up you know? Right. and you hope they wind up in favorable situations so they have a chance to develop and or even play quickly it's not like second rounders can't play You know, Grayson Allen can probably play next year on an NBA court in the right situation Right. but I don't know what that situation is you know, ideally the Spurs let's, pick him at the end of the first round, right? Let's hope he doesn't
1: go to New Orleans and eats into Frank Jackson's uh, playing time.
0: You're still pining for Frank <laughs> Jackson.
1: <laughs> Every time I checked the box score in the playoffs, I saw Frank Jackson DNP.
0: Yeah, they got to list him. He didn't. They, he wasn't they, they have to, to
1: list him because he's on the roster. Yeah.
0: yeah, he wasn't available
1: to play. And 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 I'm rooting against Drew Holiday and uh, Rajon Rondo How's because, that going because for you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Frank Frank the Tank
0: needs to play. Frank, you're going to know if Frank's any good, not even next year. You're going to know. No, you're going to know in three years. Okay. You know, two years. His well, next. Is he, you know. Actually, that's something to look forward to in Summer League. He should be playing Summer League, right? Frank Jackson will hopefully be playing Summer League. And dominating. We, we should see all these guys in Vegas for Summer League. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. You know, even Bagley. Like, uh, and the, make no mistake about it, DeVal, Trent, and Allen are going to be fighting. For their own credibility with their team, and it's a it's there for the taking. Last year, Kyle Kuzma, we, we saw Kyle Kuzma play in person yeah. at summer league as a late first rounder and just dominate. And we saw well, well I
1: also saw Jabari Bird dominate for the Celtics, and he is he even on the roster for the Celtics.
0: No, but a couple of the summer league guys made the Celtics. You know, Yeah, uh, Shemi yeah, is a second rounder. He, uh, Josh Hart. Last year's Villanova yeah. senior leader, you know, went was a second rounder or maybe undrafted. He ended up making. Oh, he was Lakers. drafted. Second, he a, second round, I think. I think he maybe, a triple maybe, double maybe for maybe the late, Lakers this maybe year. Maybe late first round. He played a lot of meaningful minutes. There's really, it's not a death knell for Grayson's chances or Gary yeah. Trent's chances. The fact they're not going to be picked in the lottery, you know, they prefer that they were. Like, right, But they got a real shot to be very good NBA players. Look at Carlos Boozer if we reach back in time. You're, uh, okay. I you mean, know. you're cherry picking,
1: but I mean, I sure. could produce thousands of people in the second round who obviously There's a correlation, didn't, but, didn't make it. Yeah. Uh, do you think Dante DiVincenzo is going to learn from Grayson Allen's not coming out after exploding onto the scene?
0: Already, already signed with an agent after the combine. Did he really? Had a really good combine, measured off the charts dominated a couple of scrimmages.
1: He signed with an agent.
0: I believe he expressed his intention to sign with an agent. Okay, because I I read... I thought... I read this
1: morning that despite wowing people at the Combine, he was still leaning towards coming back.
0: Oh, well then I might be completely wrong. Uh, I guess it doesn't say yet. Uh, I think think he'll be a first-round pick if he goes.
1: I also want to say, for the record... I think you guys are being way too harsh on Trey Young. <laughs> I mean, this guy can be magical.
0: Yeah, he's got that chance. He, he, but he it will be—he like,
1: will be obliterated on defense, <clears throat> just like Steph Curry is in the playoffs.
0: I—I I think there's, yeah, you could see shades of Steph Curry. And and, and, in his and, game. I, and, I, and I don't
1: bring that up to say this guy's going to become like Steph. I'm just saying he's a world class shooter, and he's going to be a horrific defensive liability. Listen,
0: he's going to be a top ten pick for a reason. Yeah. Right, or top 15 pick, even if he slides, but the the type of player he is seems risky. Um, but just, just, just like too. all these
1: one and done's, like we, we just don't know that much about him,
0: yeah. Uh, you know, short guys just get no respect, is what you're hearing, you know.
1: I mean, Steph Curry is 6'2, 6'3 himself, <clears throat> it's not like he's tall,
0: he is, yeah. I mean, listen, I I hope he's a good, really good player. Damian Lillard's not very, very tall. <laughs> you yeah, there's a bunch of guys. Damian Stoudemire, maybe Damon's You know, maybe maybe you know. It just seems wrong and a violation to compare him to Steph Curry. Be, you know, for a guy like Devin who loves Steph Curry. Right,
1: but just bringing up his name seems to elicit some type of well, you harsh can... negative reaction. Devin came no. on
0: the, came on the podcast today with a few hot takes. That was one of them. You know, the, Don't
1: ever utter Steph Curry's name after
0: Trey Young's name. <laughs> no, Never. his his Nixiest of the players. Yeah, I like Devin. that. I Devin's like that. been a suffering Knicks fan for a number of years. If you couldn't pick that up in the context, and uh, he is just in a fearful place. He's a Jets fan, and a, and a thank God, thank goodness for the Mets being decent right now because Devin might you know uh, might might not be long for this earth otherwise. So good, good for him. I, mean, I, feel, I feel like
1: Trey Young's offense with Frank Nicolina's defense and three-point shooting plus Kristaps would not be terrible but I apparently think, apparently Devin thinks it would be the worst. I think he
0: will be dropping dimes to Kristaps all day. I mean, I actually think he he'd be better with
1: it. a yeah, with a
0: tall rim-running type of guy. And Lance Thomas and Kristaps can provide rim protection behind him when guys just float right by him. So uh, I, th- I bet you that wouldn't be did, that that a result yeah. for for the Knicks.
1: Did we did we talk enough about the Duke guys? I think we did. We did We've
0: talked about them all year, man. Hmm. But <laughs> what just else for, do you just want to say before we go so long? Uh, long, but I think what we'll do is maybe uh, right after the draft or right before the draft, we'll do another one. We'll talk about maybe Duke in the NBA. We didn't talk about Jason Tatum enough. You know, we mentioned Oh, him, the NBA playoffs. Yeah, yeah, Jason I, I Tatum has been. Talked about.
1: I did also want to ask you directly. For your beloved Sixers, yeah, who who are you really pining for at the ten spot?
0: Um, people, there is people one c-
1: correct answer. People are talking
0: about Mikael Mc- Bridges, yeah. as being the guy who can defend and shoot. Uh, another L- L- another local guy. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's the exact right answer. Um, there's a guy I really like. His name's Kyrie Thomas. Now I don't think he's gonna go number ten. I'm Ooh. hoping he falls to the Sixers at 26. He was uh he was on was it Creighton this year. He was Creighton's best guard. He's he's about six two six three, but he's got like six eleven wingspan. He shot like 45% from three this year. Okay. He's a playmaker. He passes. I think he would fit in very well with what the Sixers are doing and what they need. The Sixers' problem, one of their issues, was they don't they really don't have a guy that can guard dynamic dynamic point guards. Right? Like Ben Simmons is a very, very good defensive player, but we could use a, a small stopper, you know. Okay. So Covington is a very good defender, but not amazing on the ball against a guy like a Chris Paul, a Terry Rogier, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You know, like the fact that we couldn't, you know, guard Terry Rozier at all was was uh, was painful to watch. It was a Sixers had a great year. Uh the Celtics are just playing incredible team basketball. It's really special. They're gonna go down. You think they're they're, they're gonna go down to the Cav, to the Cavs? Yes. I think they're gonna beat the Cavs. Yeah, I think they're gonna beat them. Yeah, they're up two to one right now, and I think I think they're gonna win in five. I think they're gonna win the next game today in Cleveland. They're gonna
1: win in five.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Five or six. I mean,
1: that's yeah. winning in five is lunacy.
0: Is it? Yeah. Is it? They're just playing. This thing's going the distance. Football. Okay.
1: And the other team has the best player who's ever put on sneakers.
0: Uh, I knew LeBron James wasn't going to shoot like that against the Celtics. How he like destroyed the rest. I mean, he talk about running hot. It's know. not. It's
1: not him. It's the other guys who need to shoot and make threes. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, it's everybody. You know, it's it's a. It's a you got to make shots in the NBA. Um, But yeah, Jason Tatum, But the last thing we'll we'll, we'll mention real quick is just how amazing he's playing. I'm not that surprised. I'm not shocked. I'm not that surprised. But he's just, it's It's, all coming to Yeah,
1: And it's a function of a lot of different things. You know, we talk about opportunity. All these guys going out means he has to become the go-to scorer, whereas earlier in the season with Kyrie with everyone else on the team, he was maybe the 3rd, 4th, 5th option and now he's like the first, second option. And we, he we we killed the 76ers.
0: Killed them every game. He made huge motherfucker stake in the heart plays and in the waning minutes. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't just he was hot. You know, he actually didn't shoot that amazingly well from 3. He shot decent, but like and he played really great defense. They're, the The way the Celtics are playing team defense is is, is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the others, the other Dukies in the NBA, Quinn Cook still getting minutes for the Warriors. Not a lot of minutes, but is he getting spot more minutes,
1: minutes than Rodney Hood? No, no, he's not. Well, eh. Rodney yeah. Hood. You do know Rodney Hood got a DNP the last game, the Rod- game they won.
0: Well, Quinn Cook got a <laughs> DNP in game two of uh, the Rockets, you know, Warriors. It's not he's playing major minutes. But it but. wasn't punitive. <laughs> yeah, Rodney Hood is having problems fitting in with this Cavs team. Yeah, uh, I, think, I
1: think Devin tipped us off earlier about stuff like that, Whis- whispers. When when he got traded from Utah to Cleveland, maybe you were wondering why and maybe Utah just right. wasn't that high on him. It was clearly and, and it's, it's bearing out moment. that there are some issues.
0: Yeah, although if you look at his stats, and I was going to say, Rodney Hood has come down in terms of all the Dukies in the NBA and, where we had him ranked earlier yeah. in the year, and we recorded that that podcast. And anyone who wants to go back and listen to it, is that, is that the one December. where you said
1: Rodney Hood's going to get a bigger contract than Jabari Parker? <laughs> I
0: I had Rodney Hood. Uh, Somebody brave you ab- called you out on that. <laughs> slightly above, uh, yeah, slightly above Parker because, yeah, you know, understandable Hood, Hood's, for, Hood's for injuries. It's not a good career until this last chapter. I mean, even in Utah, he was averaging sixteen point eight a game, shooting thirty nine percent from three. When they traded yeah. him, right?
1: High usage. Uh, when, when he was the go-to guy, you know, he was putting up 20, 20 25, 30 points a game when he was he was called on to become the scorer. So
0: when I looked at the stats with Cleveland, I expected to see awful numbers, and they're actually not that awful. He's shooting... In terms
1: of efficiency.
0: He's shooting forty-four percent with Cleveland. He shot forty-two percent from the field with Utah. His three-point range, his three-point numbers went down from thirty-nine to thirty-five percent. But thirty-five isn't that bad, right? Uh, he was averaging ten point eight points a game in those last twenty-five regular season games with Cleveland. And look, he want. I mean, he didn't have. You know, it's a new team, a new adjustment, a new alpha. It must be jarring. And maybe, maybe Rodney Hood just sort of isn't as good at adapting to that kind of thing uh mid season you know and in the playoffs he's being seen as this liability and disappointment but i'm not sure it's completely fair um it's probably somewhat fair uh and yeah he has not he hasn't looked uh he yeah i mean the big, I the big, he was the, have an here, the, the biggest knock
1: on him was he refused to go into a game a blowout game in mop up duty. And I I you know who knows how exactly it went down whether going whether on. it was hey, coach Jose wants to go in and watch put him in or was it just sulking. I'm not going in cuz I'm above this. This yeah. is beneath me.
0: Something something is going on with Rodney Hood and his teammates or the coaches or internally, I don't know, but it's not as if, you know, in the playoffs he hasn't contributed. He has. He just he hasn't played he hasn't played that well, you know, clearly. Right. Shooting really poorly from three point, one in, for twelve in, or something. Yeah, in the playoffs. But you know, must be you know some of that small sample size. Some of it is probably the way he's feeling about his teammates. Some of it's just random, you know. Right. Uh, the fourth guy in the NBA playoffs from Duke, still still alive, is Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is technically alive. He could come back, but I'm not expecting to see him on the court. Uh, There was one other guy. Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook,
1: Jason Tatum, Rodney Hood. That's it. Cleveland usually signs Dante Jones at the end of the regular season, but they didn't this year.
0: All right. I can't think of it. I think there might have been another guy, but I guess not. Uh, Quinn Snyder, I guess, is the fourth guy. Uh, He's out. He's out. But he had a good showing yet again. Yeah. uh, Making him, for me, the dark horse guy I'd love to see eventually take the reins at Duke and just... Coach the heck out of these guys. Quinn Cook with these guys, man. Be, be pretty cool to see. Quinn Snyder? Yeah, Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. That'll wrap up. Our, yeah, it's been a while, guys. It's yeah. uh,
1: fun getting back at it. Um, we still going to do that other thing, Mike?
0: Yeah, we, we intended to record a podcast. We did attempt to record a podcast. We had an hour and a half long argument about the best Duke players of the past 25 years, the best three or four-year players. And then I we realized that I made a mistake and didn't hit, properly hit the record button. So we, we put it out into the ether. None of you heard it a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Partly accounts for why there was such a long delay in a, in between podcasts. Uh, I don't know if we have the heart to do that specific one again. Uh, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it, it at some point. At some point. We'll do it at some point this I mean, summer.
1: Luckily, there's no time urgency.
0: Yeah, we got four months. We got five months before college basketball starts. So and we'll, we'll try un- to until the
1: Condoleezza Rice Commission or the NCAA changes things. There will no longer be any three, four-year, truly great Duke players. Probably.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it'll be Joey Baker. We'll just we'll just pine for it. There's a chance, but. It's not seeming likely we're going to a lot of these guys.
1: Un- unless the rules are changed.
0: Yeah, so it, that's a good point. Yeah. Although the, the latest entry, you know, who made my list was Emil. Emil was in my top 20. Was Emil in your sneak, top 20? Sneak preview? Yeah. Emil, was he in your top 20?
1: Um, I believe he was just out. Oh, uh, man.
0: Yep, he was 21. <laughs> All right. Uh, so look out for that one sometime in... Uh, August. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, have a good uh, couple weeks. We got three or four weeks before the draft, yeah. and uh, we probably won't record one unless we get. some Yeah, it's it's, all, it's
1: always more fun to see them in summer league and then give, maybe like a report, report card.
0: Yeah, and we'll know on, better on field trip. sort of what the prospects are for for the guys when we know where they land. Sure. All right. Uh, it was fun. Thanks for so, listening, guys. Yep. You do. We do?